0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Happy Friday, Options Action fans. We've got yet another great show lined up for you here coming up.
2: Next Friday is Black Friday. But if you're already not planning on shopping, you might not be alone. That's why you should be preparing options trades instead. Carter Worth will explain why. Then, Tony Zhang is gonna make you sweat. Then yell at you to work harder. Then turn up the background music to deafening. All from the comfort of your living room. Find out why he thinks there's still time to ride Peloton. Finally, don't let the recent news make you antsy about playing Alibaba. Professor Co helps you transfer out of entomology class. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now.
1: Let's get right to it. Retail racking up some big gains this week with the XRT ETF outperforming the broader market at more than 5% as a number of names in this space pulled out earnings beats. But our chart master says it may be closing time for the retail space. So, Carter, what are you watching?
3: Right. So we know that retailers typically report earnings uh, late in the cycle, and we've heard from almost all of them now, and it's been quite good. So the question is, is it a, a bit too much? Uh, let's look at a few charts and tables. First, of course, the, the ETF, XRT, is the spider, S&P 500 retail. And what you can see here, it's 84 stocks, and it's 3.1 trillion. And you're talking about the, the biggest names. It's got Walmart in there and Tiffany. It's got Costco and Amazon, eBay, Foot Locker, Macy's, uh, Urban Outfitter. It goes on and on. Uh, look at a few tables. The first, the one-month performance. Now, up seven and a quarter versus the entire consumer discretionary sector, up 1.4. Look at the three-month, next table, up 11.5 versus the entire sector up 6, a double. Look at the six-month performance, again here up 51 percent, almost double the sector up 27. And so the question is have we come a little too far too fast? That's the thinking. Let's look at a couple of charts. Here is the XRT, uh, the chart itself, no judgments made, no annotations by me. And now uh, the next chart What we know is it's had five distinct drawdowns, corrections if you will, of 10% plus. You can see them there. And the thinking now is that we're due for one of those. The final chart, uh, it's uh, lines drawn, converging trend lines, which you can see. It's all the same chart, three times. And now the question is, we're up against the upper band of that internal trend line, the thinking, we pull back towards the lower end. That would be about a 5% plus sell off from here. I think that's what's coming.
1: All right, Carter, thanks for that. Uh, Mike, what's the trade base off of this?
4: Yeah, so, you know, XRT, as Carter was pointing out, is a really broad basket of stocks. And unlike some other things that are heavily cap-weighted where maybe Amazon or the Microsofts of the world basically predominate, You know, this is a larger group of companies, and each one represents a smaller piece of it. Of course, if you're looking at the multiples, the PE multiples, you're going to see 50 times earnings. But, of course, we have to put that into context. We're in a pretty extraordinary period right now. But I would also point out that we're seeing basically all-time highs in this thing. So what you really have to be thinking about is what is the next step? We have obviously had a tough economic environment, but the consumers have been supported by a lot of stimulus and aid. Some of that might be running out. In addition to that, we also have a situation where we're seeing an upsurge in cases that can hurt consumer confidence, whether it's concern about their jobs or just about spending in general, all of these things. And, of course, we're dealing with a lot of large ticket items. This is typically a really big spending season. But I would say that I think we're pretty extended here. And I think what we want to do is, if you have exposure to these stocks, you want to hedge them or sell. And if you are so inclined, you might even look to take a bearish bet. If you're looking at XRT... I was looking out to January the 55 50 put spread. You could spend about 95 cents for that, spending about a dollar for the higher strike and then selling the lower one for 55 cents. Now, you'll notice that the payoff here is a little better than 4 to 1, slightly better than what we normally get. The idea here is by choosing a put spread that's slightly out of the money Uh, We're looking for a little bit more bang for the buck just in the chance that we get a sharper decline than the one that Carter is talking about. But even if we only get a 5% decline, even if this doesn't run all the way to our short strike, this should go up fairly handsomely. And that lower strike put will help mitigate some of the decay of carrying a position like
5: this one.
1: Tony, how do you like this trade?
5: Yeah, I quite like this trade because if you look at the chart of XRT, it has all the classic signs of exhaustion. Basically, over the last three months, as it continues to make higher highs, we're not seeing momentum to confirm that higher high. So we're seeing that negative divergence from momentum. And during that time, the market breadth of XRT continues to decline. These are signs that we're near a market top and we're about to see a correction. And if you look at the retailers, a lot of them have moved their sales earlier into the season, some of them to avoid Black Friday crowds in their, in their stores. Amazon moved their Prime Day to October 15th. That's going to take some of the, uh, the, the strength that we typically see going into the end of November and beginning of December. So I like the fact that Mike is going out to January, giving him plenty of time. The implied volatility here is fairly cheap, and he's only risking 1.7% of the ETF's value to take this bet. So it's a very small risk. Of, of the overall ETF's value. The only thing is that when you buy an out-of-the-money debit spread like this, you, if, the, if XRT doesn't move fairly quickly or fairly uh, soon, you do have some paper losses. So as for investors, it is small risk, but be prepared that in the short run, you might see some losses until this starts to accelerate to the downside.
1: Carter, I wanted to go back to a point that you and Mike were making about the XRT as an instrument being comprised of of smaller retailers, names like GameStop, Signet, Nordstrom, Abercrombie and Fitch, not the Walmarts, not the targets of the world. So what do you foresee for Walmart, for the Walmarts, the targets versus, uh, you know, the, the bearish outlook that you have for XRT?
3: Sure. Remember, those big names are in uh, the XRT. It's just the XRT is essentially an equal weighted Mm -hmm. index versus the consumer discretionary sector, which is market cap weighted to the very names that you're referring to. Um, Those are also uh, far along. Let me just say that. Walmart, Target, uh, they've been great, uh, but we know all great uptrends uh, typically are punctuated by givebacks, pullbacks, dips, corrections, whatever nomenclature one chooses. But in order to stay healthy, you want to have pauses and rests, and we're playing for just that here in XRT. All
1: right. From regular retail to some pretty highly discretionary fitness spending, checkout shares of Peloton racing higher today and up triple digits on the year as Americans get their exercise from inside the house. Vaccine news aside, or Tony Zhang says the stock could still be fit for even more gains ahead. Tony, what's the trade here?
5: Yeah, I want to take a look at Peloton because I think this is a stock that is has been misunderstood by some investors as a expensive spin-by company with a cult following. And I think that they've really pivoted here over the past couple of quarters into this all-around digital uh, fitness platform. So I think that's the bigger term opportunity here for Peloton. Now, if you look at the chart itself, the stock recently broke out above its $100 level here in late September, took a big hit after Pfizer's vaccine news down about 20% but held that $100 support level as, uh, retested that level as support and is holding it and is now starting to resume its continuation higher here. So I think this is an opportunity to to take a new long-term position or a new long position here in Peloton. Now, if you look at the valuations here, by all means, this is an expensive stock. So w- when you look at some of the, the stats that, that justify these valuations, you know, some investors will say, you know, this is due to the pandemic. It's not sustainable. 113% uh, subscriber growth versus the same time last year. If you look at quarterly revenues up 172% versus the same time last year. But the one stat that I want to point investors to that I think really speaks to the shift that Peloton has had over the past couple of quarters is the average number of workouts per subscriber per month. For years, Peloton has averaged about 12 to 13 workouts per uh, subscriber per month. Over the last quarter, that's doubled to 24, per, 24 workouts per month. And that speaks to the shift that Peloton has taken now t- into out, outside of the spin bike, into tread into um, yoga, into boot camp, into meditation. And this speaks to the fact that the opportunity now is not just here for spin, but for overall fitness. And I think that is a long-term opportunity here for Peloton. So the trade structure that I wanna use here really reflects the fact that it is trading at a fairly rich valuation. And it is at risk that more vaccine news may take a small hit to the stock, but it will likely recover from that. So the trade structure that I'm going to use is a put vertical spread because if the stock declines a little bit on some vaccine news and comes back and stays to where the current level is, it can still be profitable at these current levels. So I'm going out to December 31st and I'm selling the 110, 100 put vertical here, collecting about $9.40 for that December 110 put about $5 for that December 100 put. Net-net here, I'm still collecting $4.40, which is 44% of the $10 wide credit spread. And that's the type of risk-reward that's actually fairly hard to find, even though the implied volatilities here for Peloton isn't that particularly expensive.
1: Mike, what do you think about the trade? What do you think about Peloton directionally?
5: So, you know, it's,
4: it's interesting. Of course, the valuation is hard to get your arms around, but I have to say that I suspect that the secular trend is in their favor. You know, Some people who've been watching for some time know I often refer to the Holly Index. You know, We used to participate in something called Orange Theory, kind of a social workout sort of a thing. It is a very different experience, and I think that trend is here to stay. And of course, we can't do that kind of in-person thing, so Peloton is in the right place. It just so happens that it is, unfortunately for most of us, also the right time for them. So I think they're in the right business. That's the first thing I would say about it. The second thing is, just talking about Tony's trade, three things can happen. Two are good. One is less bad. If the stock goes up, you're going to collect that premium. If it just goes sideways, you're going to collect that premium. And if you're concerned about the valuation and the momentum fails to keep up and it rolls over, you're actually risking considerably less than you would be if you bought the stock and you're taking advantage of the fact that options premiums remain relatively elevated. So I I think the trade structure makes sense. The secular trend certainly makes sense. The valuation, look, I mean, that's always the situation when you're dealing with story stocks like this one is. Do you think the secular trend will continue? If you do believe it, then the promise could be real.
1: When you said we used to participate in Orange Theory, do you mean Holly used to participate in Orange Theory? (laughs)
4: let's put it this way she made me go Uh, okay all right she but it's a social it's a social thing but yes i did do it too believe Uh, it or not you wouldn't
1: know it to look at me but i haven't gone in no no it just didn't seem like your your cup of tea per se uh carter uh, what what do you think of the chart
3: (laughs) well you know this is a money flow issue markets down a lot today but what was up zoom was up docusign was up wayfair was up peloton they all dropped exactly 35 to 37% peak the trough. They're all up today. It's a money flow thing more than anything else.
1: All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next.
2: Remember the childhood snack, ants on a log, celery, peanut butter, and raisins? Now, let's say you were having your snack on the playground and the ants fell off into the dirt. Do you cry? No because the celery and peanut butter is still a great combination. Professor Coe explains why the same could be said about Alibaba. Yes, that's that's a lot to unpack, but it will make sense after the break. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns.
1: Just last week, based on a declining dollar, Mike showed you how to set up a bullish trade on the emerging markets using the EEM ETF. He will get to its performance in just a minute. But it's also worth noting that EEM's largest holding, Alibaba, has encountered a slew of headwinds in recent weeks. So that's also worth digging into on its own. Mike, take it away.
4: Yeah, so the reason we were making that trade on EEM is that I definitely, you know, sometimes you're dealing with relative trades. You know, Do you prefer one market to another, one asset to another? And really, I think what it came down to, Carter and I were both talking about this last week, that we prefer emerging markets to the U.S. markets. So the U.S. equity markets had already been hitting new all-time highs. The emerging markets had not. And this is despite the fact that the data coming out in, for example, the Asian financial results were actually quite strong. And so we were favoring that. But, of course... You were talking about BABA, which is an idiosyncratic. It's one of the largest constituents of EEM, but it also had some idiosyncratic issues. So I still favor emerging markets over the U.S. markets. I still favor being short the dollar on balance, which was our other trade. But what I'm taking a look at is the specific situation of one of its largest constituents, Alibaba. And, of course, Alibaba, despite the fact that we've seen good significant strength in a lot of emerging markets names, hasn't seen that. Why? It was because of the Ant ipo Obviously, that hit the stock fairly hard. But what I would ask people to think about is that their results, Alibaba's results, still are very good. I think that some of those issues might ultimately get sorted out. And so I think that actually what has happened here is this is presenting an opportunity for people who had not gotten into long positions in Alibaba to now do so at a pretty significant discount to what we were seeing before. Now, of course, because of all of this, implied volatility is relatively high. So we need to structure a spread that's going to permit us to take advantage of that situation. Specifically, I was looking at a diagonal spread. I was looking at the February 270, December 285 call diagonal, buying the February 270 puts, selling the December 285 strike calls against, excuse me, I said puts, calls against it. Net, net, you're going to lay out $15. Now, this is a trade that should benefit from the decay of those 285s over time by December expiration, and then gives you longer-term exposure to the upside by having those February 270 calls. So I, I think this pullback that we've seen in Alibaba is an opportunity for that stock specifically. I think it's going to ride the larger emerging market trend, which I am definitely more favorable on than U.S. markets right now.
1: All right, Mike. Uh, Carter, you've got some charts for us on BABA.
3: Sure, just three simple ones. The first is just BABA to your chart. Stocks a double 150 to 300. The second is with the 150-day moving average, or excuse me, it might actually be the one with the drawdowns. Uh, the second chart you'll see this has had uh, distinct pullbacks that are not 10%, but more like 20. In fact, four of them. And this recent sell-off from 320 to about 250, where has it stopped? Last chart, right off the 150-day moving average. We're a buyer here. It is the biggest constituent of EEM, and it's a follow-on trade. From last week's EEM buy.
1: All right. Given all of that, given the charts, given Mike's trade, uh, Tony, what's your what's your take?
5: Yeah, so I completely agree. And just to reiterate what we were saying last week on EEM, you know, the, ge- the, the exposure that you get from a geography perspective and from a sector perspective looks fairly constructive compared to what we're getting from a domestic equities perspective. So I like the EEM play. And if you look at Alibaba, the stock is obviously overshot a bit to the downside on the anti-ipo news uh, I th- the fact that it held that 260 level which uh, as carter said also corresponds to the 150 day moving average i think is very constructive for the long run and as mike said if you look at the results here of baba it's pretty much in line with what we would expect from china from my perspective baba's growth isn't particularly strong you know 29 percent revenue growth is in line with what we're seeing out of the asian countries the the singles day 75 billion dollars in a single day was strong also about 30 percent growth from same time last year so overall I think the long-term view here on Baba is very constructive and the and the trade structure that Mike is using the, the diagonal spread is suitable for what we consider a more stable growth here to the upside the only uh, small adjustment that I might make to his diagonal spread is he's using the December 285s I would adjust that a little bit higher to that December 290s because you have a gap fill for Baba up to that 290 level and I think that by December you could tag that level and potentially Intensely, just, just be shy of that 290 level by December.
1: Mike, were you laughing at Tony nitpicking 29% revenue growth?
5: Yes, I, I
4: was, actually. I mean, th- th- that's remarkable growth. It's one of the largest growing markets. It's a company that, if you're keeping pace with one of the fastest growing economic areas in the world, uh, that's pretty good, and 30% revenue growth is pretty good. I would ask people to think about one other thing too. This is a company whose valuation is about half of that of Amazon, in rounding numbers. Think about the opportunity here. If Amazon is worth 1.5 trillion, uh, where is Baba going to be five years from now? You know, ask yourself that question, and then decide how you feel about the valuation and those growth numbers, which I think personally are pretty. <laughs> phenomenal. All right.
1: Up next, you ask, we are answering. The options traders are standing by to take your video tweets on air. So don't go anywhere. Much more options action up next.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC business news updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some of your tweets. Elijah in California is wondering if Boeing shares could take flight in the next week.
5: Hello, I'm fairly new to options trading, so I thank you guys for everything that you do over there at Options Action. I have a quick question. I have a a call option in Boeing that expires on November 27th for a strike price of $215. I was hoping with the approval of the 737 MAX that You know, it will go up a couple of points, but instead, as we know, it is taking quite a hit. So I'm wondering if it is worth it for me to keep that call option until close to the expiration date, or should I just cut my losses and move on to the next trade?
1: Elijah was spot on in terms of that pullback down 5% since Wednesday. That's when the FAA cleared the 737 max to fly again. So, Mike, what are your thoughts on Boeing?
4: Yeah, sometimes your first loss is your best loss, and you might want to get out of this one. Boeing has some problems. They still have some white tail. We usually talk about an order backlog. They have a white tail, uh, basically, parking lot full of airplanes right now. And it's not clear to me that just approval of the 737 MAX is sufficient to go up against the A320 neo right here. So if you're going to make a bullish bet in Boeing, make it a longer-term one than short-dated call options, I think. All right.
1: Well, with COVID cases on the rise, Sunil in California is looking out to earnings from some social media plays.
3: With COVID cases at all-time highs, I'm looking to see which one of these two companies can duplicate their stellar earnings from last quarter, Pinterest or Snapchat. Which one do you like better, and what's the play?
1: Well, Snapchat has posted a gain of 54% since the company's last earnings report in late October, while Pinterest is up about 27%. So, Tony, would you rather Snap or Pinterest?
5: I think between the two, I certainly would choose Snapchat over Pinterest. But as you said, the stock's up 54% since that last uh, earnings announcement. I think that's a tall order for it to continue rising, especially after the next earnings announcement. But the next earnings is not till February 2nd. So I think you have a lot of time to wait and wait until uh, bef- early February before you have to make a decision as to what, whether you want to uh, enter a
3: new position.
1: Carter, would you rather, based on the charts, Pinterest yeah, or Snap, not-
3: I like them both, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna play, uh, they're fantastic. <laughs> relative strength is the number one factor that's ever been tested in the quant models around the world. This is the definition of relative strength, pins and SNAP.
1: Wow, all right, up next, the final call. Time for the final call, Carter
3: A Short retailer, XRT, Along and Baba. Tony Zhang.
5: Peloton, it'll revolutionize the way we work out, selling a December put vertical spread. Mike co. Long XRT put spreads
4: along the diagonals in Baba.
1: That does it for us. We're off next Friday after Thanksgiving. We'll see you the following week. That uh, Money starts right now.